0: Welcome to The Daily Standard Podcast. It's May 3rd, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by the founder of The Weekly Standard, Bill Kristol. Thanks for being with me today, Bill. Good to be with you as always, Charlie. It is another crazy day. Before we get into um, the bizarre performance by Rudy Giuliani in the follow-up this morning, uh, I'm seeing reports on the street about a super-secret summit between you and Ohio Governor John Kasich. I did have dinner you, you, with him. You guys and,
1: cooking something up. It was so secret that I can tell you that I had dinner with him in Columbus last night after meeting with some of his staff. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting talking to someone who's been governor of a major state for seven and a half years. I've known him for, for years, obviously, when he was in Congress. Never really close to him, but always respected him. Uh, I think he has a pretty good story to tell, actually, about his actual achievements as governor. And it was We talked about that, actually, more than I kind of expected. I think he would talk about 2020 and whether he'd run as a Republican, as an independent. And honestly, on that, he didn't say anything other than what he's said publicly, which is uh, he's open to it, and he's uh, but he's really is focused. I think on finishing his term now, he'll decide all that, you know next year. I, it was actually I found it sort of such a nice change of pace. <coughs> Excuse me. I found it a nice change of pace to talk about actual governance. You know, some policies, what he thinks he's done well at, what he thinks he could do better at, what was transferable to the federal level. Sort of an old-fashioned discussion of the type you and I might remember from 20 years ago, with yeah. 30 years ago with a Tommy Thompson back, back, or or back John when we Engler, thought the
0: policy mattered,
1: or right? yeah, or with Paul Ryan 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, and it was like a different a different era almost. And uh, so that was that part was interesting. I think he's he's done a pretty good job and. Um, And then, you know, and he's an interesting guy, actually, I've got to say, Uh, an awful lot of politicians, uh, they either like Trump, who's sui generis, but an awful lot of Washington politicians are, you know, very cautious and don't have much personality, I would say. And, uh, you know, Kasich is an interesting just person, I think.
0: Yeah, he he, he is. He's a character. There's a new poll out uh, suggesting that it would be a really hard uphill slog to uh, primary Donald Trump. Uh, The numbers are out of uh, New Hampshire, and, and I think the... It was uh, well, it was it, it's an overwhelming Trump lead, which, of course, su- suggests that uh, at least right now until the f- the fever breaks, uh, there's not a lot of room for Trump skeptical primary candidates in the Republican Party. And just sort of stepping back from 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 Kasich, uh, just looking at, uh, at 2018, um, I don't see a lot of indication that uh, Republican primary voters are ready to break with the president. No,
1: I think if you're not a huge Trump fan, you run in 2018 as a someone who will work with the president when he's doing the right thing. Who's not afraid to to differ with him at times, but respects him and you support him. Obviously, there's not there's no room in the Republican primaries for a genuine never Trumper, I would say, or almost <laughs> no room. Um, and then, of course, on the other side, uh, various candidates are competing to embrace Trump the most ardently and fervently and un, un sort of uncritically. It'll be interesting to see the the real primary. There've been a few primaries so far, far, obviously, but next Tuesday we have I think all of Ohio. There's a Senate race, a governor's race, like two congressional primaries at least. Um, we have a Pennsylvania uh, uh, congressional race, I believe, and then um, uh, what else? West Virginia. I mean, things start to happen in the pro- Indiana. I'm sorry, not not Pennsylvania. Indiana yeah. Senate race and the West Virginia Senate race. So things start to happen, and I think it'll be interesting just to see empirically kind of where the republican electorate is this year you know i argued a couple of weeks ago in the magazine that whatever happens this year things change a lot on november 7th 2018 as a result of this year's results and also as people start to look ahead to 2020 instead of sort of have you been sufficiently supportive of trump it suddenly becomes do you want another four years of trump but having said all that, I very much agree with the snapshot right now is it's a uh, it's Trump's party right now. It doesn't mean it will mm-hmm. be Trump's party a year from now. It doesn't mean that a quarter of the party isn't Trump's party, which isn't a quarter is not nothing, but uh, no question that uh, Trump dominates.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, what happened last night. People are t- still trying to uh, sort out the Rudy Giuliani appearance on Sean Hannity, where he appeared he, – he was under the impression that he was uh, letting Michael Cohen off the hook, that it was somehow exculpatory to say that, in fact, uh, Donald Trump had reimbursed Michael Cohen for the $130,000 payoff to porn star Stormy Daniels. Uh, y- your take on, on Giuliani's role, his appearance last night, the president uh, on Twitter this morning confirming this, Bill Kristol, what? I mean uh-
1: – you have to, the, the legal beagles are looking at the ins and outs of Giuliani's comments. And I think the consensus is that he may have gotten Cohen off one hook and onto other hooks, you know, that, uh, I mean, look, it's a tough legal situation for them. At the end of the day, paying hush money in the middle of a campaign, whoever pays it and however it's paid is probably going to run afoul of some campaign regulation or some law somewhere, you know, or could at least. So I think there, they're kind of, you know, probably just trying out various defenses and sort of seeing what. Kind of gives them the most maneuvering room which is trump's style I, I do think a lot of the lawyers and i'm you know and i follow them and i admire them for trying to analyze everything they're analyzing it as if it's a normal legal case where you're normally mm-hmm. setting up a defense and you only have one story trump's totally different he's got five stories. He tries them all. He sees which one kind of sticks a little bit better or gives his supporters a little more enthusiasm and and room to kind of rally behind him. And then he goes with that one. Because for Trump, it's a political fight. I I really think that's the key point to make. And for me, the key thing that Giuliani said was less about Cohen. Uh, He may have caused some legal problems down the road for for Cohen, but not really for Trump. I don't see how, you know, something Rudy said, Giuliani says on TV is going to affect Trump one way or the other. Um, But what he really went Sort of unabashedly went after the Justice Department. he said it was uh there was the phrase he used it was a i don't know a total meltdown or something like that and and the, the probe had to be brought to an end i mean they are really. Now, their, remember just a few weeks ago, their official line was, we're cooperating. We, don't, we hope it comes to an end soon. We don't like this probe, but we're cooperating with it. Trump himself in tweets called it a witch hunt, but that was never the official kind of White House line. Then Sarah Sanders calls it a witch hunt. Now the president's lawyers are saying it's a witch hunt, and it should end, and it should be ended by Rosenstein and Sessions. And if it doesn't, if they don't end it, they should probably be removed. That's the implication of Giuliani. So I think it's a much more political assault on the Justice Department On Sessions and Rosenstein, uh, on Mueller, they've really embraced that strategy full on. I think now that for me, yeah, they're going to war. Yes, it's a political war, not a legal maneuver. Legal maneuvers are an important part of this kind of political war, obviously. You know, they need to not get themselves in too much trouble legally. But I think some of the legal analysis that says, well, gee, if I were defending someone in federal court, I wouldn't do this. This opens up this. is sort of missing the bigger picture, which for Trump is political. He's not going to be in court, presumably. He's going to, he fears a political, uh, he fears impeachment, which ultimately is kind of a political decision, which is very much affected by how much support he has and how much support he maintains among Republicans, everything is focused on that now. And I think still for Trump, impeding, curbing, limiting the investigation itself, because I think he fears what, what Mueller will find.
0: Well, and you know, it, it it is interesting watching the the chaos in his legal team, the uh, the departure of John Dowd when he realized that uh, the Trump would not listen to him about the dangers of sitting down with uh, with with Bob Mueller, and then of course Ty Cobb, who had been pursuing the "don't poke the bear" strategy, and and he is on the way out. And I got to say, uh, but, but uh, watching Rudy Giuliani last night, uh, I'm a have been a big fan of him in the past, but this is one of those moments where you go, ah, you know, the just the. How Trumpism corrupts, but also I'm not sure that Rudy's the god is fastball here. Um, now you, uh, you tweeted out this morning Neil Cadial, who is a former uh, solicitor general, commenting on this said um, it, that uh, this bit about uh, paying back the, the 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 payoff is obviously not exculpatory. Seems to me the more likely possibility and one that explains the timing of the disclosure is that he's trying to get Cohen not to flip. Time will tell. Uh, you basically agree with uh, with Katiel's, uh assessment there, don't you?
1: Yeah, I just think I think that's presumably. I mean, if you're just assume that Trump, there's stuff Trump doesn't want to come out, doesn't mean he's going to be impeached because of it or sent to jail or anything. But he, he would like to preserve a strong defense. He'd like to curb the investigation. I've got to think he wants Manafort and Cohen not to flip and maybe others like Roger Stone. I think dangling the pardon possibility out there is one way he does that. And I think, again, some of that analysis has been, well, he'd have a tough time pardoning Cohen now because then Co- Cohen couldn't you know, invoke the Fifth uh, uh, Amendment and so forth. But he doesn't have to pardon anyone right now. He has to give people some confidence that if they all their delaying actions – once those run out and maybe they even go to trial and maybe they even get convicted then the pardon is there I, I think it's much more important to give people the sense that trump that he trump is there for them that they're on his team and he's on their team than any particular action and i think that's part of maybe of what was happening uh yesterday but again i wouldn't overinterpret it maybe they're, they're trying various arguments but I, I always come back to the the full-on assault on the investigation if it's a witch hunt and if he convinces enough Republicans and enough of the country that it's a witch hunt, well, then you pardon the people who are swept up in a witch hunt. And you don't get obsessed with, did he fully tell the truth on March, you know, whatever day it was, about the $130,000 as opposed to what someone else said on May 3rd, right? Or You know what I mean? You, you yeah. sort of think, well, that's it's an illegitimate thing. He got caught up in it. He wasn't really guilty of anything serious. I'm pardoning them all. I, I, think, I think that's very much in Trump's mind how this
0: ends. Yeah, you— uh... You, you 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 hit on one of the, the lines from Giuliani last night talking about Stormy Daniels, who said, imagine if that came out on October 15th, 2016 in the middle of the, you know, last debate with Hillary Clinton. Cohen didn't even ask. Cohen made it go away. He did his job. And you you tweeted out this morning, this is the way mob lawyers speak in novels. I mean, it, it is, it, it, is. It, it is it is like this is the way the, the the mob talks yeah it may be illegal but you know it's hard to prove we don't know what you know you know we touched i mean <laughs> i'd
1: say the clinton team much to our disgust in 1998 had a little bit of this discrediting all the opponents a little bit of a sense that they were outside fixers who were kind of vernon t- jordan and people like that who were taking care of things for clinton and obviously you go back to nixon johnson kennedy there's always been some of that in politics there's some of that In life, you know, with uh, wealthy businessmen and movie actors and they have fixers and things go, make things, things get made unpleasant and embarrassing and sometimes illegal uh, stories get made to go away. Usually it's behind the scenes. Usually that's a private conversation that we learn about in the history books to see the uh, president's, uh, I guess he is officially, isn't he, Giuliani, one of the president's
0: outside councils, saying that on television is a little astonishing. Yeah, even even Laura Ingram was uh, set back on all of this. Um, it, Rod Rosenstein and Rod Rosenstein uh, the the other day, I, I I thought had a remarkable answer to the question when he was uh, he was asked at the at the museum. We talked about on the podcast yesterday um, about the Mark Meadows Freedom Caucus impeachment articles, and his his response was I thought. Um, showed a, a good deal of, of of confidence uh he he was not defensive about it and he basically said uh, i and the justice department are not going to be extorted here but do you get the sense that i mean if, if you're a betting man right now what do you put the percentages at an attempt to fire rod rosenstein because that that of course is the way to derail this investigation in in the in the near term do you, do you think it's going to happen Yes. I mean, I don't know. And of course, I don't know. And I'm not
1: 100% confident he might think Trump, might think he can accomplish what he, a lot of what he needs to by just attacking and discrediting. And so when the report finally comes out, it's, you know, treated with disdain by his supporters and doesn't do much damage. Or his own lawyers may assure him that this report doesn't, does really have anything very damaging. But yes, if I had to bet, I would bet that Rosenstein will be fired within the next month or two.
0: Well, I want to play something uh, right now. You uh, you head up an organization, Republicans for the Rule of Law, and you put out a very, very timely YouTube video um, just reminding people when Republicans actually like Rod Rosenstein and, and, and just listening to what they had to say then. Rosenstein has earned so much bipartisan
1: support to serve as the deputy AG that the Judiciary Committee reported out his nomination
0: with all but one member, Mr. Rosenstein, you have served in the Department of Justice for a couple of decades now, and you've developed a distinguished career marked by integrity and fairness.
1: Rod Rosenstein, who everybody across the board has unequivocally said, this guy is a man of upstanding character and essentially the gold standard at the Department of Justice. He is a man of extraordinary independence and integrity and a, and a reputation. Uh, in both political parties uh, of, of, uh, of, of great character. Rod Rosenstein was confirmed by this body
0: by a vote of 94 to 6. That's probably the only a Trump nomination so far since he's been president that has enjoyed such broad bipartisan support and it's because of his distinguished record.
1: I think there's complete confidence in him and another reason, frankly, uh, for Director Comey to be out of the way so that they can have somebody leading this effort that everybody across the board has respect and confidence in.
0: Um, It really is striking watching that video, watching the elaborate praise for the integrity and the qualifications of Rod Rosenstein to take us to this moment right now where there's a very real possibility that he will be fired and that that Republicans, Republican establishment will go along with this.
1: Right. And one could say the same, of course, for Mueller as well. But no, the Rosenstein, I think, is pretty extraordinary. He was confirmed by the Senate in 94 to 6. And I think it's Senator Cornyn in that uh, audio, in the, in the clips that we put together, who says, you know, most Trump appointees were having pretty close confirmation votes. And, and this was an unusual, overwhelming one. So. You know, suddenly the he has to be demonized because he appointed Mueller, and this investigation is going forward, and they got the no-knock warrant from Michael Cohen's office. I do think that was the moment, incidentally. I think the Cohen office uh, you know, search was probably the moment where Trump— President Trump realized, you know, Mueller is not just messing around on the edges and is not going to be satisfied with a uh, well, satisfied is not the right word. He thinks that the evidence goes beyond a Manafort, you know, money laundering type indictment or something like that, and is coming right at the heart of the whole Trump enterprise, both as a uh, as a, before he became president and maybe in terms of obstruction since he's been president. And I, I've got a, it does seem like things have ratcheted up on the Trump side in response to the. Cohen uh, office search. In other words, that since then he's changed lawyers, he's changed rhetoric. The witch hunt stuff is really ramped up, um, and what Giuliani last night and today. So I do think that will, when when the historians write the kind of Watergate-like histories of this event, I think that particular day will be will mm-hmm. be an
0: important one. The Daily Standard podcast is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. They deliver everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Look, it's more than just razors. It's and it's a lot better than shopping in a store. Dollar Shave Club does have razors, shave butter, shampoo, body wash, toothpaste, everything. Everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. I personally get an amazing high-quality shave every morning from my Dollar Shave Club executive razor. It is the best razor that I've ever used. And their Dr. Carver shave butter is fantastic. It goes on clear so you can see when you're shaving. And, And since the Dollar Shave Club delivers everything to you, you don't have to set foot in a store. Wandering the aisles, hunting for razors, shampoo, body wash, toothpaste. By the way, have you noticed how they keep moving that stuff around? And you think you know where you're going. You want to just go in there and you want to get your stuff and you can't find it. Uh, so clean up your bathroom and your morning routine by joining Dollar Shave Club today. And for just $5, $5 with free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, and one-wipe Charlies. Then keep the blades coming for just a few bucks more a month. Get yours at the dollarshaveclub.com slash weekly standard. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash weekly standard. You know, uh, we, we've talked about this before, the image from, uh, from uh, always give him credit for it, uh, jo- Jonah Goldberg's image of the invasion of the body snatchers that we've experienced over the last two years watching. You know, w- w- one intelligent principled conservative after another uh, roll over on all of this. And just what you think that it, it you know, it's not going to, you know, okay, you, you've seen the worst. It's you've, you, you watch this guy roll over, you watch this guy. I have to admit late last night, um, as, as I was going through my, my Twitter feed and I saw Rich Lowry's piece, um, wherever it was, was, was posted calling for, trump to fire rosenstein i i thought i you know i mean, you, you may not want to get into it but i mean you know rich lowry was solidly never trump the editor of the national review we had been a trump uh, critic has become more friendly but you read that piece and i gotta tell you you know you may not agree i, I thought it was almost indistinguishable from sean hannity you know i haven't what, what, I have, what's going on
1: i haven't seen it since i was on a plane back from columbus this morning but and i it'll I ruin your day read a little bit but i yeah maybe i shouldn't read it but You know, it's funny, uh, I I was an off-the-record dinner with Kasich, so I I won't say too much, but one of the things we did discuss, as you would expect, is precisely this question. You know, John Kasich knows many, many, many Republican members of Congress, former members of Congress, uh, people he served with, or people who we got, you know, who we knew even after he left, and certainly as governor, he's now met again the entire political elite of the country and of the Republican Party. And he was he was discussing that. I mean, just sort of as a personal matter, people he's known for ten, twenty, thirty years, how they've ended up uh accommodating Donald Trump and taking positions that he can't quite Believes K-6 has always been a hawk on the deficit and the debt. He's very proud. I mean, he got mm-hmm. ridiculed almost in the 2016 campaign for saying it over, over and over that as House Budget Chairman he balanced the budget. Uh, but you know, it happens to be true. And he really, in his Ohio, like other states, you, you do have to kind of balance the budget. And I think he will. He has at least a good a good uh, shtick, a rap. I think it's true actually that they've you know strengthened the Ohio uh, budgetary situation. There's more money in the rainy day fund and so forth. They're not like Illinois, their neighbors, who are going bankrupt. Quite to the contrary, they're stronger than they were when he took over from Strickland, the Democratic governor. Anyway, he like has that kind of old-fashioned Republican concern about debt and deficit. He he discussed this with endless colleagues of his on the Hill and other gubernatorial mansions. And then he just watches the Republican Party, under Donald Trump's leadership, blow up the uh, deficit. I, I think right now, Trump is on course, it sort of depends on economic growth, but he may well be on course to have average deficits exceeding Barack Obama's. Mm-hmm. I mean that's and, really astonishing, and, 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 and
0: there's virtually no blowback that I'm right, seeing right. In, in Republican circles or conservatives even talking about it. It's like it happened, and it's like you know the the, the fact that you and I are talking about it. It's it's shows what what outliers we are. They no, even abso- bringing it up.
1: Absolutely. And in this case, I mean, whatever, again, one thinks so, of Obama's policies, and I don't think much of them. You know, he had some excuse in the first year or two, obviously, for running a huge deficit coming out of the recession. Uh, Trump really has no excuse by conventional economic uh, arguments. This is when you should be going towards balance or even surplus, because we're growing pretty, pretty well. Um, obviously, we're not, and uh, so there you are, right? We're talking about it, but not many other people are. And then on the rule of law stuff, again, Republicans so proud of that kind of tradition that aspect of the Republican tradition, I would say, uh, really one of the achievements is sort of not really thought about this way, but it was how much the Republican Party left behind the Nixon stain. Mm-hmm. If you think about it over the last forty years, and did so by 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 almost. I won't say overreacting. I think it was the right reaction. But embracing very much of a kind of, uh, you know, look, the law is what the law is. We're not – the other party plays fast and loose with the Constitution. We're originalists. The other party plays fast and loose with all these constraints on government. We stick to them. And then suddenly uh, we've got Trump just – you know, ignoring them all, and uh, or a lot of them at least, and uh, thinking nothing of you know harassing the Justice Department, and uh, you know why aren't you investigating other you know private citizens and well all the whole thing. It's not even worth going through in detail. So it is. Um, we discussed that a little last night, and I guarantee it is. It is. Demoralizing, both on the policy air, in, the, in terms of the policy areas, and then in terms of some of the more fundamental principles of governance, and then character. Another thing Republicans were sort of proud of was w- w- Clinton may have won in a sense in 1998, 99. He survived impeachment, and uh, you know he he, he became a, a respected ex president, not a disgraced one, uh, maybe a little of both. But uh, but we still, I think most Republicans felt, look, we tried at least to stand up for the notion that you can't lie to a grand jury and just get away with it, and then. Uh, and now look at us. Uh,
0: what we're running out of time here, but uh, your, your thoughts? How how optimistic are you about what's happening in Korea? Uh, there have been a number of developments. Uh, there's still talk about uh, summit. Where, um, in in, in ter- just in terms of uh, how hopeful, how uh, cautious you are about uh, the 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 Trump uh, the Trump doctrine in Korea?
1: I mean, I'm cautious and skeptical that will make progress cuz i just don't think kim jong un at the end of the day i don't think he's going to give go up his nuclear programs i think it's so key to that family's uh, tyrannical <coughs> excuse me tyrannical and totalitarian reign there um as well as the claim of uh, that they're going to be unify the south under North, under the north's rule um i don't blame on the other hand uh, the you know the us for exploring possibilities and there's always that one in 10 chance or maybe it's one in 50 but even so that he sort of pulls a Gorbachev, so to speak, and decides to change the path of this, of his family's uh, horrible dictatorship for a long time. I just hope we don't get uh, in, in any way entranced by it. The, the South Koreans, unfortunately, have. This happens to them every now and then. And uh, they, you know, it's understandable in a way. They're there. They're, they're brothers and sisters, so to speak, are uh, living in these horrible conditions. They hope it can all be resolved peacefully and the and the North will just change its ways. I hope we don't give up anything fundamental in terms of US troops in South Korea and and, uh, our fundamental uh, reassurance of our allies that we're we're not being taken in by uh, by North Korea. uh, But I'm not not on the one hand indignant about anything much that Trump has done. I would prefer he hadn't said a couple of things he had said that seemed to be excessively nice to Kim Jong-un and to the North Korean regime, but I am skeptical and cautious and, and doubtful, actually, that at the end of the day, this will really result in a, in a breakthrough.
0: Bill well, Crystal, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it very much. My pleasure, Charlie.